0: It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's anabe
1: dot Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, everyone. Spring is almost here, and I have just the thing to help you head into the season in style. My spring box is filled with my favorite fashion and beauty items, all curated to make you feel polished and put together. There's a chic bag, chain-link jewelry, soothing skincare, and so much more. Altogether, this collection of products is valued at over $600, but when you sign up for an annual membership by February 13th, you'll pay just $3.99 for an entire year. You'll start with my spring box, then receive new curations in summer, fall. Don't wait. Sign up now at curator.com. That's dot com. Hi everyone, I'm Rachel Zoe, and you're listening to Climbing in Heels. This show is all about celebrating the most extraordinary superwoman who will be sharing their incredible journeys to the top, all while staying glamorous. So we're back this week with an incredible guest that I am so happy I got to chat with. In fact, I didn't want to stop chatting with Annie Lawless. She is the founder of Suja Juice and the now incredibly successful clean beauty line called Lawless. I personally am obsessed with it. Annie's story is honestly so such an inspiration and her passion for health wellness and beauty is infused into everything she does i personally love her products and lawless beauty is changing the game in the makeup industry it's really for makeup lovers who are dying for a clean makeup brand that actually works like proper makeup annie and i found out we have a lot in common i'm pretty sure we are soulmates now in common, and she's truly an amazing entrepreneur with lots of insight to share. So let's get started.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh I have to tell god. you, my sister is a huge, huge fan of your podcast. Oh my god. Like she listens to every episode. Really? So when I yeah, so when I told her I was going on, she was like, Oh my god, I can't wait. What's her name? And I thought that was Stephanie.
1: Stephanie. Yeah. Is she a lawless? Yes. <laughs> Hi, Stephanie. Well, I have to meet her.
2: I told her, Oh, tomorrow I'm gonna be recording a podcast because she was packing for a trip and we right. were going back and forth on different hats she should bring. And I was like, tomorrow I'm recording on Rachel Zod's podcast, and she was like, I just listened to the one about New York Fashion Week. Oh, she knows like she's everything.
1: So cute. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I'm so yeah. happy to have you on. I'm also happy your sister loves it, and so we know that she'll hear this, which is great news. Yeah, thank you for the (laughs) shout-out. No, of course. Stephanie, I can't wait to meet you. Well, okay, so first of all, I want to start off, you know, I always like to just give a little bit of background just why I started climbing in heels, and, you know, I am surrounded by the most extraordinary women in my life, and in all different fields, from all different backgrounds. And, you know, what I would perceive as them making it to the top of whatever they're doing. And I think mm-hmm. everybody has a different measure of what success is for them, right? But I like to really talk about the journey of getting there. And the reason is, and climbing in heels, again, obviously very tongue in cheek, but I think women are dealt a different hand very often, or at least I know firsthand for me and many of the women that I've had on the pod have been challenged in a lot of ways. And sometimes for being a woman, sometimes for a million different things, not being able to get investments, not being able to like get in a certain room at a certain table because they're a woman or whatever. But at the end of the day, for me, I wanted to take my personal challenges in my career and sort of turn them upside down and try and have amazing women on that I can help lift up and advocate for and really understand how they got there in whatever field that they're in. And I think everybody's story is different. And I think for you, I actually found out about you through loving your product. And that's like an honest truth. And it's really funny because some people say to me, like, how do you even know the difference? You get sent 10,000 products a week and you could open a Sephora and like whatever. But great product stands out. And I, funny enough, like I just get favorites and I notice. And it was funny because I got, it must've been like a PR gift or something. Right. And I got this Mm -hmm. beautiful set of like lip glosses and I want to say lip liners and whatever. And mm-hmm. I opened it up. Egg. Yeah. And I opened it up. And Our I,
2: fans, Rachel, we probably <laughs> sent you everything. It's the sweetest.
1: <laughs> and I started, I started just using it because I love a lip. I go nowhere without a lip. I go nowhere without a lash or a lip. And I started using it and the, some of them were little. So I like put them in my bag. And then there was this great like lip, mask Mask. and I started using all these things and I was like yes (laughs) and I became obsessed and I was like what is this brand like I need to know more and I went into Sephora and I was really annoyed because I went to get my refills like not my refills but more and they were like it's online only I was like that is rude and so I just ordered a whole bunch more like two nights ago Uh, at like one in the morning oh my gosh
2: (laughs) so whatever you need no
1: I like to support. I like to support. But I am a huge fan. I love the product. But I do want to first get into a little bit, I'd like to touch on sort of how you even became in this world. Like, where did you grow up? Like, how many siblings? What kind of kid are you? Were you? What kind of kid are you? What kind of kid were you? Still are we all
2: still kids? I'm a three-year-old. So I feel like I'm more oh. a kid than ever. I was at Bilderberg yesterday. Oh my gosh! And I think I enjoyed it more than my daughter.
1: Listen, um, <laughs> you know you have kids. I do. It's
2: like. You get to redo it all, and it's just as exciting 100. the second time around. <laughs> and build a
1: bear is everything. And when my kids would everything. like run out and be over it, I'm like, no, no, no I'm not finished. Oh my god! <laughs> well, especially you. I I bet you were putting the tutu, the hat, the shoes, hundred percent. Yeah,
2: hundred
1: percent. Yes, hundred percent. Okay, so tell me, where did you grow up?
2: So I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. okay. I live in San Diego now, but I am one of three. I'm the middle child. Okay. So. That leads to a lot of like my personality <laughs> traits. I'm very independent. I've always kind of like been a lone ranger doing my own thing because I think I always, not was I, I was ignored, I wouldn't say, but my
1: parents- You're not the oldest really and me. you're not the youngest. I'm
2: not the oldest and I'm not the youngest. And my parents went <laughs> through a really nasty divorce when I was in about fourth grade. And my mom went back to work full time and my dad was very absent. So I think that furthered this like
1: mm-hmm. drive very
2: independent- in me mm-hmm. yeah and I mean I wouldn't change it for the world because I do think that really helped me cultivate a lot of the confidence and independence to mm-hmm. go and do my own thing and be my own person because there was nobody helping me telling me what yeah. to do like yeah. you know it was just me kind of on my own and I think that was a really pivotal moment in my childhood that like I think we all have these like muscles, that we either use or we lose. And I think that really helped me like use this independent muscle of like being on my own and being comfortable with that, which Mm -hmm. I think is why now, even as an adult, I've always kind of had my own businesses, done my own thing. You know, I have like two really close friends. I'm always just kind of like, I know what I want. And I'm sort of like, I don't want to say isolated in that way, but I'm very, very independent. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really comes from that time in my childhood. So So, interesting. That's really interesting because-
1: You know, listen, I think as a parent of now a 10 and 12-year-old, you know, I see like my niece and nephew are in their 20s, right? And I see how kids come out into the world, right? They're born a certain way. We are all – we come in – like, I'm a firm believer we come in who we are. <laughs> the way we you are. We, and and that part is not changeable in terms of, like, who you are at the core, right? Like, you're, you're a Absolutely. doer, you're a slucker, you're this, you're that, you're neurotic, you're not, you're, you know, you're free-spirited or you're high-strung. It's like that stuff to me is innate. However, mm-hmm. parenting, in my opinion, is sort of like the molding, of the behaviors and the yes. teaching for when you are 0 to 18 or whatever, right? And Absolutely. And I think a lot of that is modeling off what you live with, like from your parents, right? And a lot is sort of like, okay, I'm in survival mode. Like I'm the middle. I'm going to figure this out for myself. I'm not getting the attention as the older. I'm not getting the attention as the younger. But at the same time, I could tell you – I cannot I bet you if they did a study in Hollywood that some of the most successful actors are middle children. It is. It's it's a thing. It's a thing. It's like how all everyone in fashion is Virgos. It's like it's it it it's it's a similar Mm -hmm. thing.
2: And it's like you don't really do the profession because you are that. It's like it's almost like you all gravitate to the same thing because you have the same strengths, the same like pre wiring that certain people thrive and certain people don't because they can't take that situation and like get the positive things that come out of a negative situation and some people can and so like the people that thrive on certain things they all kind of end up in the same place because that place is the perfect thing for people that have either had those experiences or are pre-wired that way or have those characteristics of their personality and I do think that middle children and then layered with this whole sort of like really being on my own from my parents divorce, just like kind of set the stage for me to always feel a little bit like, I don't have to do things the way everybody else does them. I'm not really part of the pack. I'm sort of like, I can do my own thing. I'm always doing my own thing and not feel that urge to like, follow the same, you know, track that everybody
1: else around me is doing. That's a huge. That's like a really big win for you. Like, meaning I think that, I think what you're talking about is something that typically from what I've seen doesn't come until much later, like sometimes into your like thirties, because you know, your twenties is all about like fear and like saying yes to everything. And like, who am I in this world? What is my purpose? What is my mission? Like all these things. And Mm -hmm. I feel like for you to sort of have that intention and that life skill and that sort of confidence that young is pretty incredible and you know I do want to touch okay. on so you so you okay so you grew up in in Arizona and then you went to school there as well
2: yep I went to uh all girls private Catholic high school uh-huh. <laughs> which was very regimented <laughs> and structured and I hated that. I'm like I'm so sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> what I would I have done without boys in high school After I graduated from my Catholic high school, I went to (laughs) Arizona State Uh and I got my bachelor's in philosophy with a certificate in ethics. So I really thought I wanted to be a lawyer. My Mm -hmm. dad's an attorney or was an attorney. And I always thought this idea of helping people and like right and wrong and understanding what makes people do the things that they do. And, you know, there were so many things that fascinated me about what I thought law would be that made me want to kind of set the stage for that. And then when I got to law school, so which is why I moved to San Diego, so I graduated. Um, I did not take a year off, so I went straight into law school, which was probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I went to University of San Diego, and within, like, the first – three months I was like, oh, uh-huh. this is not what I thought it was gonna be. This is not about helping people. I can't pick my case. There will be nothing that I like <laughs> about this. This is gonna, I'm gonna be like someone's research bitch for oh, you know a good amount of So years, it's like an El so Woods nothing. type thing. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh this isn't what I thought. And uh, so I decided to drop out. And it was just at this moment where I knew, okay when you spend as much time, it's like being a doctor, lawyer, you go to school for a certain thing, you know, you're going to kind of like be in that thing. Mm-hmm. It's not like I was going to graduate and be like, Oh, okay. So I still don't know what I'm right next. I, like, know. I knew when they're going to commit the time, the money, the energy. Once yeah. I graduate, take the bar. Like I'm going to, I'm going to be a little stuck. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I really, this isn't, this isn't feeling right to me. And it kept feeling not right. And I remember I was in the law, law library studying and I had like the first real panic attack of my life out of the blue. It was like, I got heavy breathing, sweating, like through my shirt, sweating, like just couldn't find like my, my center brain of like, okay, get it together. And I was like, what's happening to me. I had a complete meltdown. And I just remember feeling like there was something so much bigger than me telling me this is not what you want to be doing. This isn't how you want to spend your life, your time, your energy So I walked straight over to my guidance counselor's office and I said, I just want the papers. I want to withdraw. And I remember she was like, give it 24 hours. I'll give you all this stuff. We can talk about different ways that you can maybe take a leave or whatever so that you're not scrapping all of your grades and you can always come back and whatever. And I was like, no, I know. So within 24 hours, I had completely withdrawn. And I remember my dad was paying for my apartment in San Diego. And the deal was as long as I was in school, I wouldn't be working and he would pay for my apartment. So I was like, I just need a little bit of time to like figure out what I'm going to do before I break the news Mm -hmm. because I need this place to live to like, just get my bearings for a minute. Like this was a big decision. And now I like have to scramble and figure out what's next. So one thing that I've loved and always have loved is yoga. And I've done it since I'm 16 years old. When I got my license, there was a studio in Arizona that closed, but it was called at one. And I, would go there every single day after school. And there was a instructor, Johanna, who like really resonated with me. And it was the first time in my life as like a teenager that I did something that I was like, wow, the way I feel when I leave a class is so different than the way I felt when I came in. And I kind of became just like drawn to this feeling of relaxation and calm and like clearing my mind and letting You're like wow, go. this
1: is new for me.
2: Wow, this is how people can feel. Right. So, I got really into yoga and I just immediately looked at the most local yoga studio that I had been going to if they were hiring for any jobs. And they were like, well, we're only doing front desk right now. So I immediately applied for that, got the front desk job, did a yoga teacher training, did a 200 hour training, started teaching kids yoga, and just got more and more into it. And then the owner of that studio was having some health issues and certain things and she was kind of stepping back. So I ended up kind of managing that studio. And then as that kept going, Throughout all of this, I had been juicing and I've been juicing my whole pretty much college and high school time because growing up, I had horrible eczema all over my body, like my face, my arms. I was on steroid creams forever. And it wasn't until like I was a teenager that uh, a pediatrician recommended autoimmune testing. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, you're really old to be having this eczema. A lot of toddlers and kids have eczemas. They outgrow it. Um, you know, there's all different types of topic dermatitis, but like, this is pretty chronic. And so she did an autoimmune panel because eczema is autoimmune and it turned out I had celiac and I had no idea what that even was. I didn't even know what gluten was Uh like. We're in such a, I'm 36 now, but this is when I was, this is over 20 years ago. So there was no like whole foods, gluten-free breads, things like there is now where you can go to like Seven Eleven and find something gluten-free. It's just not, it wasn't like that. And so when I cut gluten out, my eczema cleared up within two weeks. And it was like this, this like huge light bulb moment for me that, oh my God, what we put in our bodies is directly correlated to how we look and how we feel.
3: And we're never taught that. Like, a
2: thousand percent. that's just, and no, a, no one, no one takes it seriously.
1: No one takes it seriously. They don't, they no. don't believe it.
2: And when you're a kid, like you eat what you like and you move on. You're not thinking, oh, these goldfish
1: of in my course. lunchbox are <laughs>
2: making me like have this ra-. you just, you don't. You never make that connection. And it was just this really big light bulb moment that gave me this passion for, like, how good can things be? It's Mm -hmm. all, a lot of this is in my control. There are certain things that we're genetically predisposed that we can't avoid, but there's certain things like, oh, I didn't eat bread for two weeks and my eczema that's been bothering me my whole life. Did you grow? Amazing. Did
1: you grow when you cut? (laughs) Because it does affect your growth as well. Like, if you have celiacs as a kid, a lot of kids that aren't growing, they they end up finding out that they have celiac's because as you know, celiac's takes the like the gluten blocks the absorption into your intestine yeah. of important. So my husband things. always says this because
2: <laughs> I am a size ten shoe and I have like freakishly long like arms and fingers, but I'm only five four. And my husband is like, you should be. And my sister's like five nine. Okay, do you want to die? Some I my that.
1: my feet are a ten. I'm five. Really? I'm five four. I have crazy oh. long fingers and sisters? huge feet. <laughs> I've never, uh, literally, Mary, who's sitting next to me, my producer has been with me for 11 years. The biggest joke about me is the size the of my foot and my hands, <laughs> and the fact that my body never grew to I'm what, not. you know, it's absolutely I have the same insane. Thing. So I I, and I've never and you understand my friends, but like I've been working with supermodels my entire life that are six feet tall with a size seven. And I'm like, what happened? Like, do I have celiacs? Like what I have little feet. I have man feet. Why me? Babe. I I I can't I'm I'm dying.
2: Like, I'll try these on in a 40, sometimes a 40 and a half, and they're like
1: no, no, really? same, same. Wait, I've never met someone else like this. I'm dying right now. I think we are connected somehow.
2: Yeah, maybe you should get tested. Oh I my know. God. I'm, well,
1: I probably do have celiacs. <laughs> I probably do. I um, mean, there's
2: so many, there's so many question marks. I don't know if that's correlated, but you know, there's just so many things about our bodies that we don't realize. And the, the really sick thing is if I had never been tested, I had been so used to it at that point, I would probably still as an adult just be applying my steroid creams and like accepting that this is something I'm born with if I hadn't really had that opportunity to figure out what it was and see it go away from one simple change. And so throughout that time, you know, as somebody that was completely uneducated on nutrition... I started reading a lot of books on gluten-free things, and at this time, you know, there was nothing really to read except old-school stuff. Yeah. And there was this guy, Dr. Norman Walker, who created the world's first cold press, the Norwalk Press, Mm -hmm. and it was he created it in like I think it was like the '60s, and it's this big, clunky metal machine with all these parts. And I bought that exact machine. I was like (laughs) so obsessed with. I I was brainwashed. I read the books, and I was like, the benefits of this style of juicing retain so many more of the nutrients and it really helps people that have had, he was the first guy that really pioneered this idea that juicing can get nutrition easily to people that have had these chronic degenerative like intestinal diseases. And so I thought, okay, I've had gone all these years not absorbing, you know, so many things I didn't realize. I probably have malabsorption of many different nutrients. I probably have damaged gut lining, all of these things that I was reading about. So I bought this juicer. I got obsessed with juicing. So, I'm working at the to, to bring all this to the same kind of place where it was really the turning point for me and my first business and the creation of it is I'm working at the yoga studio after I drop out of law school and I'm drinking a green juice. I'm standing at the desk checking people into class and I have it in this little mason jar glass bottle that I made from my house and I um, would pour the juice in it and take it to class. So, this guy skates up and we had a glass door. He skates up on a longboard and he's carrying a green juice. So he comes to check into class and he's like, where'd you get that? And I was like, oh, I make it at home. I have this thing called a Norwalk press. And he's like, oh no way, I have a Norwalk press. That's how I make my juice. And it was like, we just clicked. And it turns out he was an organic raw food chef. He had like this whole background in health and wellness. And we had so many like shared interests and synergies. So we end up dating. But we also started making – it was like a juice romance. I love But this. we started making juice for everyone at the studio because we would always go to classes together. And at this point, I was teaching, and people were like, where did you get that juice? Where can I buy that juice? And San Diego's behind like LA, New York. We didn't totally. have like Liquiteria, right. Pressed. It was right. like Jamba Juice. Like right. that's like the juice shop here. <laughs> right. This, is, this was 2012. So, right. I mean, this was a long time ago.
1: This is like so when we my – like, by the way, this is when my friends created Pressed. My, I know oh, the really? founders of so press. You yeah. know,
2: this is like when this was all just yep. getting started. Yep. And it was
1: a really big deal that it was cold press. It, it was, was a like huge, a huge thing. I used thing. to
2: love being in LA because I would always go to press. Yeah. It was like such a novelty to be able to get this like yep. style of cold pressed juice. Yep. And so uh, we just started making it every Sunday. We would text everyone in the studio. It became this little local thing where we would text everybody. So this is the produce available. We would make the juice, deliver it. And that was kind of the beginning of Suja at the time, which was my first business. And so we did this local home delivery. It grew and grew and grew. And finally, we were like kind of tapped out. We couldn't take any customers. I was the one delivering. We would make it in our apartment and house at the time. And it was just, it was just, it took off. How and much so, were you charging? Uh,
1: how much were you charging per juice? We expensive. were
2: charging, I think it was $8 a uh-huh. bottle. Yeah, And we would we would literally buy these like big, not pallets, but these big cases of coconut water from Whole Foods. Right. Transfer the coconut water to other things, sterilize the glass bottles, use those as our delivery <laughs> bottles, right with a Sharpie on the cap, the names of the juice. That is the At this time we didn't even have wholesale like, wholesale accounts. I would go to Whole Foods, buy all the produce, like load it up in our car. It was like a complete rogue mission.
1: I love the it. The FDA would
2: not approve this operation. <laughs> it was like totally home done. <laughs> but uh after a while, like really started gaining traction. And so a couple of guys approached us whose wives have been buying the juice, we're totally obsessed with it. We're like, my hair is growing, my skin is better, all these things. They wanted to invest. And we hadn't even thought about it. You that. were like we were what on doing earth? this for fun. Yeah. And they were like, We really want to help scale your business. We we should get a commercial space, commercial juicer, get some people to do deliveries, all of these things. And so we did, and we took the investment, and that was sort of the beginning of this little local national. Home and how much was service. the investment?
1: Can I ask? Was it like a hundred grand or was it like?
2: I don't even remember. It was something like that. It, right. I mean, it wasn't much. It it was it like a $1, million dollars? No, no, no. It was like small early days. Yeah. And I remember I invested like 12K or something. Right. You know, we were like, let's do it. And within just a few months, so we started doing it nationally. So we set up a website, which I used mind body the yoga software because uh-huh. that was what i knew from working at the yoga studio i just yeah, like dead. did all of the retail side of it where they would like sell yoga mats and stuff i would put the juices on there and that was like our back-end system it was <laughs> wild and so we would ship the juice with ice packs and we started doing this kind of like delivery system and then within just a few months whole foods reached out and they were just starting this local initiative and i'm sure for all of you whole Foods shoppers listening you've seen some of the products that have that sign that says local with the picture of the people that make the product Mm -hmm. and how many miles away it is in different markets. And so they were just kind of starting that and trying to find these little local niche brands doing cool things in that pocket of demographic and geography. So they were like, hey, we've heard a lot about your brand. We'd love to launch you in the Southern Pacific region. And so that was like the beginning. And then a lot happened between then, but we got more and more investment. We launched in Costco, Target, and then it took off. And
1: that was- Were you just, like, pinch me? Was your dad losing his mind? You
2: know, (laughs) he was, sort of, but I think that also at the time, nobody realized really how big it was. Like, I sensed there was almost, like, still a disappointment from my parents that, like, I wasn't doing a traditional thing and you know more than anyone because you've built from the ground up like totally (laughs) non-traditionally and it's it's like people are happy for you when you've made it but when you're in it and you're kind of still building and it hasn't all like come together in this way that you can talk about it and be proud and like you've had this big sale or this big like moment where it's all like you know people are still really skeptical I think it's like their way of being comfortable with seeing you like grow and um, it's easy to cheer for the winner. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Right. And so I, I mean... think there was still this like, you know, Skepticism. what are you, what are you? Yeah, exactly. But then and once that, you that like that independent thing that you have to stick to, it's like, I know in my gut what I'm doing and right. I trust it. And I believe that this is all, like, I feel really happy about this. I'm passionate. I'm doing something I love. And if it didn't work out, I'd be just as happy because I love what I'm doing every day. Right. And I think just like sticking to that, like inner voice and like canceling out the noise is really like a big thing that most entrepreneurs are going to have to get comfortable doing. Because to your point, (sighs) people will cheer for you when you win. But there's a lot that happens to get to that place of a win.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that what you're talking about is your actual biggest gift that you have, truthfully. Like, because I think that's, you know, I think I've had amazing women on the pod and I think without question one of the common threads is that sort of like you know those moments of like fear of failure those moments of like this won't work this moment of like I'm not good enough to pull this off or whatever and then like when it happens you're like okay now I've now I've won once and now I know that I can do something else, right? Like sometimes it takes a win to know that you can win, if that makes sense.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but it sounds like you've sort of been this driver of yourself, which is really impressive because, I, you know, I think generationally speaking, you know, I speak to a lot of my peers and I think, you know, it's very hard today with the lack of ambition. <laughs> it's very rare yeah. that I see... People like you, um, young, I should say. Um, Thank it, you. It, it is. <laughs> As I'm getting I,
2: older and older. I, <laughs> I, I like cling to that. <laughs> it's,
1: well, I, I think. Listen, I think that there's. It, it, it's. It's a larger question. It's a macro question. It's. It's a macro issue, I should say, which is like part of like not being held accountable for anything because you don't have to show up anywhere. And I think, but you know, I think people not having to go to school because parents aren't really pushing that as much anymore, like succeeding at 19 and then letting them just grow up without going to school. And I, listen, I'm not judging. I don't think you have to go to school to like be successful in any way. I just think there's a lack of accountability in this generation that I think is getting worse and worse instead of better and better. Um, So it's just, it's nice to kind of see that in you because you are very young and it's a really big deal what you did. Like, I don't think you should play it down. Like, oh my God, and people really loved our juice. Like, that's a really big deal and a really hard one to pull off, honestly, um, without backing and without, you know, like sort of someone like, hey, I'm going to start a juice company. You're like, no, I was actually making the juice and (laughs) delivering it and like, you know, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, it's very, very well, I think impressive.
2: that's the other <laughs> big differentiator in businesses that often work and the ones that don't is a lot of people, and to your point, a lot of young kids, I think, especially with social media, they see people like the Kardashians and all these people with this massive wealth and mm-hmm. success. And I want to start a makeup brand. I want to do this. I want right. to do that because it's so easy from the outside looking at these people that are doing it easily. <laughs> Those people, these celebrities have people hitting them up all day long, wanting you to throw money at them to start mm-hmm. these businesses. Mm-hmm. But the real businesses that make it are the ones that are so authentically and passionately rooted in something that makes people's lives better because like, you're solving a problem that you saw and you're trying to like, totally. fix for other people that might have the same problem. And I think that's really what is the missing thing with a lot of the younger generation is because we have all this access and exposure to the world and seeing everything mm-hmm. real time of like the, the insane designer goods of and course. all the things that people have. But it's when a highlight you're reel. Sitting at home, you're like, exactly. <laughs> it's but a highlight reel. It like wires you to believe, <laughs> Oh, I want that too. And look at her. She's just, she just easily got it because you know, she's, she's whoever. posting all day. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so like, I think that the, the reality of the work that goes into creating a real, sound, steady, stable, value-add business in the world is so much more than is what's really shown And that's the disconnect between the people that, you know, maybe a little older, Mm -hmm. that didn't have this, like, social media world where it all looks easy. Like, if I just become a TikTok star or whatever, I I don't even know what the kids are doing these days. I'm not even on TikTok. But, (laughs) like, there's people that think it's easy. They want the fast money. They want the fast success. They want the overnight thing. But all of that is so fleeting.
0: It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's a n a b e icom Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply.
3: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns.
4: at oracle.com strategic that's oracle.com strategic oracle.com strategic
2: and i think in my in my experience with both my businesses i've always had success in doing something that was a personal need for me that i couldn't find so i made it essentially for myself whenever there's a problem that you are trying to solve or something that you can't find, there's other people looking for that same thing. A
1: thousand and then you realize percent. you're
2: creating something that adds a value to the world with your unique viewpoint that people are drawn to because it's different than other things they've seen and they want to be part of it. And so I think that that's also like the, the lesson I would share with anybody watching that wants to start a business is find something you really care about and that you're passionate about. Don't, do it because money's in that space. Don't do it because you see a category booming and you see opportunity. Okay. Don't do it because you see an investor approaching you with an idea and you want to just hop on the. Do something that you love that like really is value add to your life because there are going to be people like you looking for that same thing.
1: Well, that's the thing I always say because people always ask me how I built my brand and I'm like by accident. It's not there. There was no master plan and it's simply exactly. because you Basically, what you're saying is, which I always scream from mountaintops, which is any brand that you're building has to be authentic to you. It has to be mm-hmm. something you're so passionate about that you can live it, you can speak it, and you breathe it, and you think about it all the time. And it's the same thing what you're saying, which is the impact it has on you and your life. You know how many women that is going to impact, and men, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so, okay, so I want to talk about, okay, so you sold this business, you sold, like, how did that happen? Because then, then when did you start Lawless? Because that's a whole different animal.
2: Yep. So in 2015, we sold half the business to Coca-Cola and Goldman Sachs.
1: Casual. And then casual, very casual. (laughs) Very sorry. Can you, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that for me? You sold half the business to
2: To Coca-Cola and Goldman Sachs. (laughs) And it was, it was a very exciting time for sure. Like <laughs> I just remember being just like shocked. I, I had spent a lot of time in Atlanta at, at Coke with their marketing team, just figuring out like how they take a brand and bring it into their portfolio whilst they retaining that brand's, you know, look and feel and like the, the foundation of the brand and why people love it. And I think that's a huge thing that happens to brands once they sell yeah. is they, they lose, the lose identity. that soul. Sure absolutely and a lot of brands sell that you love and then you don't hear about them much because Mm -hmm. they they like stuff the marketing channel and like spend a zillion dollars to get out there and to build up this moment of like a big event and a sale and get investors excited and get buyers excited and then once they sell it's like and then they they and then they're out let the business they're out (laughs) yeah and that that's especially with my business now i mean I'm still early days. I'm not sold. not looking to sell. But when that time comes, like that's something I'm so conscious of having done this once before is like retaining, especially because the second brand has my name on it. Mm -hmm. Like this, this will always be my baby and I will make sure of that. Like nobody can change it for me. Um, But yeah, that was a really big moment for me. And I remember I had three partners at the time. One was my ex-boyfriend who still friends to this day. We never had friction. He's a great guy. Um, and we we knew when we broke up, it was like, I met my husband, my current husband, because I delivered juice to him. So I had broken up <laughs> with my boyfriend at the time. Yeah, and my husband ordered That's juice amazing. and I was delivering. Like I told you we'd make the juice and I would deliver it. And uh, I my knocked on the door, deliver it to my husband. And then like, that was how we met. Before I even got back to my car, I think he emailed me and he was like, it was so great to meet you. <laughs>
1: I would like to order more juice. I, be, I <laughs> bet he would like to order more juice. That is incredible. So, I'm dead. yeah, some people meet <laughs> um, on airplanes. Some people meet in bars. You met delivery. It's so juice. funny
2: because now everyone meets on apps. And whenever I have like a younger <laughs> like girl that works for me or something, like, how did you meet your husband? Like, this will be totally irrelevant to you because I met him the old fashioned way <gasps> when you like met people half in and yes. I delivered him juice. Oh my god! I'm dead. But um, yeah. So. I had no problems with him, but my other two investors there had definitely become some friction because to put it just, I guess, broadly, Mm -hmm. the brand really started to change to commercialize, which I was totally on board with. And I obviously wanted the brand to grow and thrive, but I also, there's a certain DNA that I was very, very protective of. And like, I remember by the time we sold that some of the drinks just had such a different flavor profile Mm -hmm. and higher sugar content and things Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't even, it was just so deviated from where like the original you know, recipes started, which was great. Right? Yeah. They were commercializing. And I just realized this is my time. Like I'm, I, I've done what I'm going to do here. I created something that I love. And now like, I've literally seen it like graduate yep. and it's time for me to go and find like something that I want to work on where, you know, I don't want to sit and do desk sides with editors pitching juices that I sure. won't even drink because sure. they're just not sure. like yeah. something that I would seek out. So that was when I realized, okay, What's next for me and i started a youtube channel a blog and i would just post makeup tutorials and like the other side of my passions like i loved fashion i loved beauty and it was so like old school blog days where you would write out a post and post pictures with it it wasn't like it is now i think instagram was like just starting
3: uh-huh.
2: and uh yeah i started doing that and what happened was i did a blog post because i love health and wellness but i'm also like a beauty girl and so I had switched over to clean skincare cause Sephora was bringing in brands like Tata Harper and mm-hmm. Tatcha yep. and starting to really like talk about this clean skincare narrative. And I was like, Oh, I should look at the ingredients in my skincare because I care so much about what I'm putting in my body and on my skin. And I started to really educate myself. And so I did this big blog post that I had switched over to clean skincare and here are my top recommendations in each category. And then I got all these comments that were like, what are your clean makeup recommendations? And I was like, you know what? This is so silly because I'm spending more money and seeking out clean skincare, but then I'm putting all the same ingredients I'm trying to avoid back yeah. on my face five minutes yeah. later with my makeup. Yeah. Like I was using Giorgio Armani and NARS yeah. and you know all the, all the luxury brands yeah. that we love. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to try some clean skincare or clean makeup brands and just see what I think. So I bought everything I could find at that time. Um, it was not like it is now. Like yeah, now Sephora's built out their yeah, whole, course. you know, but it was like, now you almost feel dumb if you're not time. buying clean. Don't you find that? Well, <laughs> I'm such a yes and no. I mean, I'm such a like no compromises type of person. Mm-hmm. And I like, if I like a product, they need to make it clean for me. I'm not going right. to sacrifice. I'm not going to start using something clean just because it's clean unless right. it's actually like, works and it's right. as great as my chanel lipstick right. or you know like i love my products yeah. and i and that was that was exactly why i started my brand so i bought everything i could find i'm testing and trying it and as someone that was like doing youtube makeup tutorials and, like full glam and i'm just like you i don't leave the house i'm not going to the mailbox i'm not taking my trash out without like a full no i just don't want to be seen no nope. <laughs> so
1: nope. don't even want to see like, myself okay
2: <laughs> yeah i don't either i don't either I like, hold on let me do my makeup okay Okay. Hi. Good morning to me. Yeah. So I was like, clean makeup is for the clean makeup aesthetic, which is not my aesthetic. There's definitely like this elitist clean makeup vibe that almost like makes fun of people that wear a lot of makeup. It's like yes. thin and moisturizers and yeah. kind of like is like this natural beauty vibe. And it's just not who I am. It's not who I'm ever going to be. And Same. I've accepted that. So Same. Same I account. realized there's no clean makeup out there speaking to the person like me that just wants a great makeup brand that is clean. Mm-hmm. Not that rides on clean first. Clean just needs to be like... Like that skin. actually
1: is proper makeup that stays on, that proper covers makeup. what we want covered, but it's clean. Yes, yes I hear I you. I want...
2: I want that old-school, like, MAC lip gloss <laughs> consistency. I don't want the, like, you know, lip oil that's smearing all over my face that give me no color. That's just not who I am. I want the full coverage. I want all those things. I'm starting so to think like, we're okay. separated
1: at birth. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to feel very connected right now. Yes. Go I mean – There was a makeup artist that hair, I had <laughs> – There's this makeup artist that was going to do me for an event, and a friend of mine sent me her – um Who she does. And I'm looking and I go, see, those are friends of mine and I love (laughs) them, but they wear concealer and chapstick. This is not going to work for me. Like, I can't. This is not going to, this vibe's not going to work for me now.
2: No, like if you showed me a makeup artist that does like drag makeup, I'd be like, bing, 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 that's me. Same, same, same. Like I need, I need the, I need the makeup. Same. You don't so need I it though. Saying, okay. I'm looking at
1: you. You don't, but I'm here for oh, it, but I'm here you. for it. But you
2: know, we all have our identities in the way that we present to the world that makes us feel the most like ourselves and yep. like, like us. Yep. And I've always just been someone, I love a smoky eye. I love a full coverage foundation. I love these things. And so I realized, okay if I can't find clean makeup out there for a true makeup girl like me, there have to be so many other women out there that are looking for the same thing. And that's the reason they don't buy clean makeup because I won't buy clean makeup. Right. And as somebody that has multiple, I mean, even three years ago, I was diagnosed with Crohn's. Like I have multiple autoimmune issues that have, it's just a, I don't know if I just have a genetic predisposition. Yeah, I it is genetic. I just have autoimmune issues. Yeah. So I do look at ingredients. I'm conscious of what I consume, but I don't let that rule my life because I still want to be me. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create a makeup brand for me that was makeup that I actually want to wear, that I love as a makeup girl, but also doesn't have endocrine disruptors, talc, you know, all of these things that even in eyeshadows, there's like aluminums in the shimmers, like a lot of these things that we don't even realize. And then when you look at it, you're like, oh, I really don't want to consume that. But I will because there's nothing better out there that gives me this like effect on the eye or this, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're buying. So I was like, okay, this is my next project. And I'm, I'm someone that can't sit still. So after we sold the business, I think I took like eight months and I was traveling and blogging. I was like, I have to, I've got to do something. Like I'm ready for the next phase. So I just started Googling local manufacturers and I went up to LA and was just finding little boutiques and trying to find clean makeup formulators. And that was kind of how I started.
1: And it's so good. And did you start it first with lip, or is that just what I saw first? So it was because if I remember, it was focused only on lip. Because I remember opening this beautiful box and it had like an array. It was, yeah, it was a video and it was all these glosses with, I want to say, like liners and a lip mask. And I was like, this is amazing because I'm such a lip person because I was. Thankfully, one of the things my mother gave me was my lips. Like when I was born, because people are are always like, "Who does your lips?" I'm like, "My mother." Like, I literally, I'll show you a picture of me when I was 10 years old. Like, same. I love
2: the look of lip filler on other people, but the idea of having a needle in that thin lip skin like makes me, yeah, I can't can't do do it. it. That's why I created Forget the Filler. That's our,
1: I love it. Hero
2: franchise. It's
1: such a good product, and then so I (laughs) felt for that. And then I started to use so much more of it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so it's like a full, full collection." So, how many years yeah. in are you now?
2: So I started it in 2017, and wow. the the thing I started it with was just liquid lipsticks. It was mm-hmm. eight shades of a liquid lipstick, mm-hmm. and I had seen the Kylie lip kits blow mm-hmm. up that summer prior, and I was like, you know, if these lip kits are like going viral, and they're a matte, full coverage, like liquid lip product that's super pigmented. That's what I want to launch first to show that clean can be sexy and Mm sizzly and like doing something that is of the moment right now and full coverage, long wearing. So my first product was eight liquid lipsticks. This was October of 2017. And then by December of 2017, I got an email from Sephora and they were like, hey, we are launching a clean seal, which is the green check you see now. In June of 2018, and we're looking for like indie clean brands that we can bring on now and incubate. And I was like, yay. I mean, I, I didn't even have an office. I was sitting inside out <laughs> of my house. I had no, it was me, not a single employee, <laughs> except like my husband who would help me like with tech stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was like, uh, okay, but I'm really, really, really small. So I went to San Francisco to meet with them in December and they were like, we'll just do a dot-com launch. We'll do the liquid lipsticks. So I did that in March of 2018, launched on com. Then when the clean seal hit and they did this big promotion of their clean brands, we kind of like took off. And then I launched foundation, eyeshadow palettes. And then that following year, March of 2019, I launched in-store with my own one-bay gondola. And at this point, the first two years, I didn't have a single employee, no office, nothing. I mean, it was I don't even know how I did that looking back because it was so like, just bootstrapped, but but that's Sephora like really the held my hand. Wow, yeah, it was the best. It was the best, and no partners, no investors. Like, there's something so nice about having that moment to really like set the stage for your own brand before other people get involved and other voices and other opinions and other goals and motives. And it was really just I'm doing what I want to do, how I want to do it. My next product launch is not dictated on industry trends, or it's like what do I want next? What do I need in my collection? Okay, I'm going to do this. So it was really, really, yeah.
1: No, it's so so exciting. It's so impressive because it's like, you know, I think starting, being an entrepreneur in general is really, really hard, as you know, it just is because there's no one to fall on. It's terrifying. It's you, it's your name, it's your brand, it's your baby, it's your everything. And there's a lot at stake. And you know the fact that you did it once so successfully, and then I think you know as many of the women that I've had on the pod, you learn so much that first time around, wow. for better or for worse, you learn yep. a lot. But it's like having a child. It's like okay, you you were beaten up a bit, but then you get back on. You're like, let's do it again. I'm crazy enough to do and this then you again. See
2: what it was all for?
1: Exactly. And so now you, you you're here again. I think the sky's the limit with this one. Um, you know, truthfully, like yeah. I said, I, I, think, I think the dream, I know for me as someone who's built a brand and businesses and whatever, when someone finds you organically, like finds you and falls in love with whatever it is that you're doing, which, you know, I've found in conversation with Lawless is sort of like people just genuinely love it. And, you know, yeah. I knew it was clean second you know, because I didn't become clean. I love to hear that. No, it's true. I didn't become a clean beauty person until I was pregnant with my first son. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I can't put any chemicals. I can't eat any chemicals. I can't touch any chemicals. I can't put any Mm -hmm. on my body, (laughs) in my body. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I've pretty much, you know, I've stayed that way for the most part. Like I would always opt for a clean. It's not to say that, of course, I don't use like my favorite makeup brands or I'm not like, I don't say to makeup artists, like don't touch me with that whatever brand. Yeah. But but buying, you want to buy what you know does not have the 10 things that you don't want on your skin or in your body, right? 100%. Um, but I'm obsessed too with, I do want to talk about the lip liners because I love it and I'm obsessed. Ab- Obsessed with, and I don't know if you know this. I don't know if this is like what do they call it—the runaway hit or the the sleeper hit? The sleeper, the sleeper hit. The um, the brow, the brow pencil. It's so good. I'm
2: obsessed too. Wait, I have it in every bag.
1: Me too. Yeah,
2: the brow pencil. So that shape, I created that oval shape because I always have a hard time. Like anytime they're really really micro, it's like takes like
1: painstakingly sitting there.
2: But then if they're one of those harsh, like, triangle angles, it's so severe. Mm -hmm. And I have, like, really, really thick brows. Mm -hmm. So I, like, when I fill them in, they can look Mm -hmm. crazy. Mm -hmm. So I like the little, like, um, oval because I like to go over this top part and just kind of, like, do that little soft edge and then just kind of draw and fill in. But it's so interesting because there's so many little sleeper products that I think (laughs) – it's like the thing about being in the clean category is I think a lot of people that aren't looking at the for expectations clean makeup, like low. they don't even go look yeah. because they're like oh I'm not a clean makeup girl like that's not for me. Right. I'm like no 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 come come see it. You'll yeah. love it because it's really not for the clean consumer, it's for everybody. But um the lip was really like our first hero. So right. our franchise forget the filler. I have the glosses here. This was it was the pandemic. I was pregnant with my daughter and I remember um, we got this skincare ingredient from a skincare lab and it was called maxi lip and i was like this is so interesting because i read the clinicals that they had done and a lot of people don't understand the difference between clinicals and consumer perception surveys clinicals are hundreds of thousands of dollars they're done in a lab by scientists measured with an instrument where consumer perception is like a test group right. we say did this did you like this gloss did it make your lips feel good right. like that type of thing right so this ingredient had clinicals on it and it had been shown to increase lip volume by 40%, increase lip collagen synthesis by 351% in vitro. And I was like, what? Because as you age, all of your collagen starts to break down Oh, and it I know. doesn't produce as much. <laughs> so you're like, okay, um, what can I do to stop that? Yeah. And when I just read all these clinicals, the hydration, I was really, really compelled. And so we had them send us in a gloss format, like put it into a gloss, and I'm that old school. I love that thick Mac lip gloss. Like mm-hmm. if I same. if I, you know, drink out of a straw, it's still going to be on <laughs> at the end of lunch, kind of thing. I don't want the thin like. Same. So we had them kind of create the the ingredient and a gloss that we briefed that we really wanted, and we did the testing on the finished product, and it was all of the statistics were the same, but more on hydration even because we have um, hydrating ingredients in the gloss. So we were like, okay, we're going to launch this. We'll do one clear shade. It'll be called Rosy Outlook. It's just going to be like a clear pink and we'll just see how it does. We've never done a plumper. Are people still into plumpers? We don't know. You know, two phase lip injection, that whole thing kind of owns the market. Nobody might care. It took off so fast. Oh I remember our opening order was like, 15,000 units. We sold out immediately. We did a booster order for 5, a booster order for 10, a booster oh order God. for 25. And then yeah. we started ordering like hundreds of thousands. and we were like, okay, this is this is our first hero. So we did shade extensions and so our lip liners are part of that. I have them here. The lip I, liners I always keep a little so dish good. of all the shades I'm wearing so I, that like anytime I'm like I talking to too. someone like you, I I, like I keep them in <laughs> every up.
1: bag. Every bag and Every bag. I, I love it. I love it. So
2: my gripe about a lot of lip liners, like my OG old fave was MAC, but they get so skippy on me. And I don't know yeah. if it's like a waxiness, but they get like that dry bubble up uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. So we put a silk like ester in these. So that yeah, they're velvety. Easy-wide. They're velvety. They're velvety. That's why I like and them. That way, if you want to <laughs> fill your whole lip in, like you know when you're like like a pinch or you're like, if I'm going to the gym and I don't want to look like I'm wearing mm-hmm. a lip gloss or a
1: lipstick, Full I'll lip take liner. pink and and just like fill it in because
2: it's like... Kind of your lips look better. You don't really know what you're wearing. Oh, okay, babe, I use
1: text. your liners as full lip coverage all the time. Okay, and then, well, I'll, just, and then I'll put I mean, a little so clear tidy. on it. And then I'll put like a little dab oh of God. clear over it.
2: You know, <laughs> internally on our team, we even have these in chubbies because, so we can wear them as lipsticks. I should release them. Yeah, yeah, uh, you should. We have chubbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys would. I'll, I'll get you some of these. Please. But they're just, it's just a different formula than I've ever had. And I feel like that's the biggest, the first thing to plumping your lips, it's the optical illusion. Overline, just go right outside your lip line, not too much like on your skin, just right outside the lip line to like curl it up a little bit, then your lipstick, then your plumping gloss, and you don't need to get lip filler anymore, it's amazing. (laughs) And so that was like our first real hero. And since then, we've launched lipsticks. We've done multiple shade extensions, all the things, That's the so, lip mask.
1: It's amazing. Honestly, I'm so impressed with you. Thank and you. I genuinely love the product so much. So you're growing very quickly by <clears throat> by need. But like what scares you? Like does anything – do you ever sort of say like – Oh God, like I cannot believe the Kardashians just launched another product or like, and do you ever worry about that? Or do you stay in your lane and like blinders and like, don't look, you know what I mean? Like how, what's your approach yeah. to a lot of people get very anxious about competition or, you know, just, just a popularity contest. Um, you know, yeah. and I, I, I don't know if that affects you or not. I mean, I would say my theory on that is the product speaks for itself and you don't have to worry. But I mean, how do you feel about any of this? I'm curious.
2: You know, that's a really great question. And I think the the biggest thing I always remember is there's no other me. Like there's no right. other Rachel. Right. There's a million stylists, yep. but no, there's a reason people worked with you. And I think like it just makes me so unbothered and so happy for other people because the bigger the categories grow, the bigger other people make loss, the bigger, it's like, Mm -hmm. you're validating Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So like, I hope that this like becomes like big VCs that want to come and buy beauty brands. Mm -hmm. When I see another beauty brand get sold or another beauty brand, that's like crushing it, launching similar products to me. I know that they're only increasing the appetite for what I'm doing sure. because they're proving that this is something that people want and we're killing it. Mm-hmm. So like, take a look, yep. take a look industry people. This is where it is. Yep. So I always look at it like that and I, I also just feel like there's such a unique viewpoint. Like I'm I'm my own secret weapon and you're your own secret weapon. A lot of beauty brands exist where you have no idea who makes it. Yeah. There's like a name of a brand but who's behind it? Who's doing this? Mm-hmm. So your unique stamp and viewpoint on things that you're creating and the brand that you're creating and your voice and the reason that people feel connected is nothing that can be replicated. Mm-hmm. Every brand's going to have their own version of that. And so I don't ever really worry about that. But that also just goes Good. back to like I told you, i am kind of always just been an independent like yeah. lone yeah. ranger type yeah. where I just kind of do what, do what I'm doing. Yes. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I want to be happy and love what I'm doing every day. And if that works, great. But if it doesn't, I'm still happy because I'm doing something that I really love. And I'm lucky that I had a previous business workout. Yeah. A lot of people need their thing to work. But, you know, you also – I value my happiness over like – you know, superficial success as well. And I just, I have to create stuff I love. Also, it's like, what, what is is your
1: measure of success? Right. Because I think everyone's, everyone's bar is different, right? Like everyone, what their idea of success is very different. And I think, I think if you're successful and you're happy, like, I think success is being happy in what you're doing and obviously winning at it, but you don't have to be the like $5 billion brand. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't, as long as you're doing what you do and people are responsive to it and you love it, it's like, it's a win. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And people do, there's something when you're doing something that you love and you're passionate about it, there's something about that that people are gravitating to because they can sense that like true authenticity that they can't get from other brands. So my husband always says this, but like, if you do something you love, you will be successful, but I don't do something too. to be successful because you won't love it. It's true, and I think that that makes so much sense. Like if you just do what you love, you probably will end up being successful at it because you're going to put more energy and passion and drive and like uniqueness
1: into it than you would of anything else because you're obsessed with it. It's true. I say that all the time. I've said that since I was 25 because it's the only thing that's ever driven me is the love yeah. for what I do. Because otherwise, you give up. You can't. You can't work this hard. That's something you're miserable doing, right? No, you have to be obsessed. You have to be obsessed. Well, I'm so impressed with you. You're such a force. I'm so happy you came on. By the way, I love both of your businesses. So good for you. you. So impressive. And, you know, I hope our listeners really took a lot away from what you've done very brick by brick, the old fashioned way, which I firmly believe in. And, you know, I'm going to be rooting for you over here.
2: Thank you so much. (laughs) That means so much to me. I always... I feel so awkward when I do podcasts, but when it's conversational and I actually like relate to the person I'm talking to, it's so much fun. Aww. And I feel like I could talk to you for hours. So um, thank you for having me. Well, I'm like so could. honored. No. I can't tell
1: you. Such a pleasure. I'm very excited for what's to come. And I love Lawless. I'm I have it all over my thank face. You. So okay, send me your wish list. Stop oh my God, stop. You- no way. I like buying it. Pack. I like supporting thank it. You. It's that time in the show when I answer two listener questions. So let's see what we have today. Okay, what has been your favorite award season look so far? I'll be honest with you. I loved the looks at the BAFTA Awards this past weekend in London more than I have loved anything thus far in the US. I will say I believe J.Lo wore this incredible... Tamara Ralph, Felicia Couture, this pink, gorgeous confection with a big coat cape thing over a pink dress to the Golden Globes, I want to say. And that made me really happy for the love of glamour. But I haven't really been completely blown away by too much thus far. So Lily Collins at BAFTA this past weekend. Okay, second question. Congratulations on your anniversary. What's your secret for a lasting relationship? I mean, you know, try not to kill each other. No, I'm just kidding. My secret for a long... You know what? I will always give the same answer because I think when when I break down how long we've been together, which has been more than half my life, the one thing I would say in good times and bad... I never have not trusted him. He doesn't ever lie. Roger never lies. I never worry about like where he is when I'm not with him. I never worry he doesn't love me. And he still tells me I'm the most beautiful woman in the room. And whether I believe that or not, it's still nice to hear 400 years later. But truthfully, that's it. And I think, you know, I think at the end of the day, your your husband or wife, like, they have to kind of be your best friend and they have to be your safe person. And even when you're like not in the mood to talk to anyone and whatever, they just have to be okay that like you're not in the mood to talk to them. And I think that's sort of it. It's like giving each other space when you need it. But again, first and foremost, trust. Because you can't ever put enough money on that word, truthfully. Okay. Don't forget to submit your questions for next week's episode. All you have to do is DM us your questions to at Climbing in Heels pod on Instagram, and I might just answer your question. Thank you so much to Annie for being on the pod today. Suja Juice and Lawless Beauty are both such massively successful brands. It's incredibly inspiring to hear her story and how hard she's worked, literally step-by-step, brick-by-brick, but to me, I think what's most impressive, besides the fact that she's already built, literally ground up like from her kitchen and juicer, and delivering juices, a business she founded with a guy that ended up being her boyfriend, and then she actually met her husband delivering juices to him, which I love pre-dating app phase and such a great love story but more importantly her passion for what she does both with Suja Juice and now with Lawless, you really see it. And I think that the biggest takeaway is to build a successful brand. And twice, I have to say, authenticity is key. And it's something that I will scream at the top of every mountain that I can. For everyone who comes to me or who listens to the pod because they're pivoting or they're trying to start a business and they're failing or they feel like they're failing, the reality of it is you have to love what you're doing. It has to be something that's filling a void in your life, in other people's lives, something that really needs to be built for the greater good. And whether that's makeup, whether it's juice, whether it's paper, it doesn't matter. Find your passion and just work really hard at it and do it the old school way, which is just work really hard and stay focused. Focus on you and if other people are succeeding around you with bigger names and more awareness, as Annie said, that's good for you. That makes you look even better because it means what you're doing is right and needed don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. I love reading them. And while you're at it, follow me on at Rachel's own at climbing Hills pod on Instagram for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes and all things curator. I will see you next week.
2: elevated.